May I invite your attention to the 17th chapter of Luke, and I'll read only one verse this morning, one verse. It's the last verse of that chapter, Luke 17, verse 37, and it says this, and they said to him, where Lord? And he said to them, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, that endures forever. Hey guys, do you know what carrion is? Carrion is the stuff that is being eaten by vultures on the side of the expressway. Carrion is dead and putrefying flesh. Now, aren't you glad you came to church today? (laughs) That behind us, guys, do you know of any statement in the New Testament that is more difficult to interpret than this verse 37? I don't. And to make matters worse... It's repeated in the New Testament in Matthew 24. It is also a quote from Job chapter 39. That means that this statement that is so odd appears three times in the Bible. The context where it is found here in Luke 17 is so obscure as to be almost impenetrable. But in both of the cases, both here in Luke 17 and in Matthew 24, the the subject matter or the thing that Jesus is discussing is the mystery of his second coming. The details of which are not fully known even by him, but only by his father. But again, what does Jesus mean by that statement in verse 37. What does, what does the gathering of vultures around dead bodies have to do with, the, with his second coming? Well, guys, I think, I think our best help, I think the interpretive key is found in the book of Revelation. And if you've still got your Bibles close to you, if you could find Revelation 19, I'd like to show you something. Revelation 19 gives us, I'm I'm suggesting, an interpretive key to my text in Luke 17, 37. But let me tell you a little bit about Revelation 19. As as you see there, if if you've got it open, beginning in verse 6, the subject matter has to do with the marriage feast of the Lamb. You know what that is. That's that great eschatological event which symbolizes the gathering of God's people Uh, to meet with him forever. Um, It's even mentioned in verse 9, the marriage supper of the Lamb there. And then at the same time that that's going on, you see in verse 11 that the rider on a white horse is mentioned. 
he appears and um, things that are said in there about him are just frightening. Um, verse 13, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. Um, from his mouth, verse 15, comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. Uh, he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. And then comes our interpretive key. It's found in verse 17. An angel steps forward, we're told in verse 17. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God, to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. <laughs> that is startling. What, what, is, what is being suggested here, I think, is that at the same time when the children of God sit down to enjoy this great banquet um, called the marriage feast of the lamb. So too, at the same time, all the birds of the air will gather at another Lord's table and in a kind of, in a kind of ghastly antithesis of the, of the marriage supper of the lamb. These birds will then proceed to devour the bodies and the blood of the wicked. A scene that, by the way, is repeated in Ezekiel chapter 38 with greater detail. In each of those places, Revelation 19 and in Ezekiel 39, the, um, the point of those two passages is that there is a time that will come well, not only birds, but all animals will participate in a great feast. One where God will, once and for all, rid the earth of all that is sin. The eagle will eat the ruthless dictator. A family of blue jays will wolf down a, a family of criminals. A, a pelican, a pelican will gobble up a, a group of terrorists. Guys, um, do you find all that imagery? Too gruesome and, and offensive for your uh, modern 21st century westernized taste? If so, perhaps it's because we have not yet been offended enough by the seriousness of sin. And the cross of Christ 
and by and, and by its mystical carrion that becomes the remedy for sinful men like us. Guys, if, if we are repulsed by the idea that all nature might one day sit down in the kingdom of God and feast on the, on the bodies of sinners, then, then what, about, what about the fact that we Christians are gathered here today to feast on the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Is that not more repulsive to us? Or or have we really never thought about what it is that we're doing when we consume little, little bits of bread and little cups of grace or grape juice at church? Have we really never thought about what all of this means do we realize that we are living off of his death that the symbolism of this sacrament that we're about to partake of is that we eat his flesh and drink his blood Guys, in in the early days of the Christian church, we Christians were accused of being cannibals because of this sacrament. In one sense, you're not going to like this. In one sense, we are the vultures. We are extracting life from the death of another. Perhaps, um, perhaps we have taken this, this mysteriously satisfying little ritual called the Lord's Supper. Maybe we have taken it too much for granted. Perhaps it has never, it has never impacted us as it ought that the spotless Lamb of God should have to be torn in two by the vultures of the Roman Empire and the Jewish establishment so that people like us might be saved. The event that led to our deliverance, the cross, was horrific, it was bloody, it was savage, it was gruesome. Perhaps, perhaps it has not yet penetrated the outer shell of our hard hearts that he for whom sin was something utterly alien should have to go to such revolting extremes 
in order to save us and to satisfy his Father. That we live because he died. That life for us is the result of death for him. And then on top of all that, in addition to all that, he extends to us another invitation to eat his flesh and drink his blood all over again as a refreshment for for our souls and as a reminder that when it comes to do with our sin, as far as our sin is concerned, all is well. What a Savior. Our Father, would you um, remind us through this sacrament that there is... um, that you have an inflexible hatred of sin and that to pay its price there was an event required that is hard to consider but that because Christ has been slain we gather around him to gain life from his death. Meet us at this table, Lord God, and stir up among us a newfound gratitude, a newfound appreciation of what we have in Christ Jesus. Remind us as we symbolically eat his flesh and drink his blood. We pray, of course, in Jesus' name.